been in a series the past month called Alive, and uh, we've been talking about just the, the reality of what it means to be alive in Jesus. And so about a month ago, Douglas kicked off our series, and we were looking at the crucifixion and the, the death of Jesus and all that that offers us and all that that means for us. And the next week was, was Easter Sunday, and we talked about this reality that, that death didn't get the final word in Jesus' life because he triumphed over death, and he's still alive. He is in heaven. Romans chapter 8 tells us that he's interceding for us. John chapter 14, he is preparing a place for us that one day he will come back. We will see him face to face, that, that the reality of that Christ is, is risen, that Christ is alive. And so we, we, we began to start talking the, the week after that about the implications for followers of Jesus of the resurrection, that Jesus being alive isn't just something that, that we keep in our heads, that it begins to change every part of the way that we live and act and, and, and interact with the world around us. And so, you know, two weeks ago, Andrew, um, taught us about loving our neighbor and just this interesting conversation where this man walks up to Jesus and he says, hey, what's the, the, the best way to live my life? And Jesus says, of course, you know, love God with all that you have. And the second thing is just like it, love the people around you just like you love yourself. And so loving our neighbors was the most, the second most important thing to Jesus. And so we've been talking about as a church family, hey, how do we living life following Jesus start to embrace his teachings, to embrace the things that, that he has told us to do? And so last week we, we talked about what happens when someone really does come to grips with the reality of his love and, and, they, and they take on baptism and they put to death the person that they were and they come to life, this, this new being in, in Christ. And so uh, we, we've just been talking about what it looks like for the resurrection of Jesus to not just change our thinking, but to change our living and, and, and the implications for our lives. And so today I want to talk about um, what it looks like to live lives of radical generosity, um, but that extends far beyond finances what it looks like to give our whole lives to Jesus so that others may know Jesus, that they may come to know the deep love, the unending, unchanging love that God has for all people. I remember a conversation I had a couple years ago with Dave. Dave was one of the, the campus, or one of the pastors over at, at the cannery. And he was telling me that when, whenever new churches come to town, he always tries to, to get with the leaders and just to, to meet with them. That whenever a church is planning in Nashville, he tries to, to get with them and to encourage them and to thank them and to bless them. And he was telling me, you know, he, he said, it's, it is not a threat when churches are planted in Nashville. He said, it's actually a blessing. He said, you see, when, when other churches decide that they want to be a part of this city and to, to help us reach the loss and to advance the kingdom, only the enemy could convince us that it's anything other than a blessing. You know, if we were in a physical war and people came to fight with us, we wouldn't be mad. We wouldn't be frustrated. We wouldn't be so territorial that our heart would be about winning the war. And there was something about that conversation that, that Dave and I had that just helped me see things on a completely different level. To understand the necessity for us as a church family to be kingdom people. To see the bigger picture of what God is doing to capture the opportunities when, when they come our way. You guys are very captive this morning. I'm so like almost intimidated by how well you're like, you're locked in. Um, 10 years ago this month, um, Ethos began. Um, we celebrate our birthday in November, but, but we actually started 10 years ago in, in April and we met in Frothy Monkey over in 12 South. And we only met there for three weeks because we couldn't afford rent. And so we had to go to a park where we could steal electricity. And uh, we just keep asking for forgiveness for that. But, um, but, but there was, when, when, we, when we started Ethos, um, 
man, the, the heartbeat was, hey, let's, let's reach the people in the city who don't know Jesus. That, that people who don't have a home, that, that don't know Christ, that don't know his goodness. Man, let's, let's be a church. Like, let's play our part in, in helping reach the, the city and those people. And so it was amazing to see the way that other Christians kind of gathered around us. And as they heard about what God was putting in our hearts, they cheered us on and they encouraged us. But there was one church in particular, this church named Harpeth Hills, that was just an am- amazing blessing to us. And they blessed us immensely with, with finances but so much more than that. With friendship and, and resources and, and wisdom. And, and it's like this church that really, you know, they're, they're far away from us in terms of proximity. And, and yet they just kept seeing God doing something in our city. And because they were kingdom focused and not just trying to build up their church, man, they realized that the same things that were beating in our hearts to reach the lost were the same things that were, were beating in their hearts. And so they wanted to see this city step into revival. They wanted to see the city come to know Jesus as, as king. And they realized that they couldn't do it by themselves. And they realized that there was a group of Christians that were going, man, we, we wanna do something. And, and they chose to bless us immensely. I love the text that we're in today, and it's kind of an obscure text. You might have, as Jacob was reading, like, what in the world? Where does that come from? Um, 2 Corinthians, to give you a little context, is a letter written by this man named Paul. He was writing to a group of Christians that live in the city of Corinth. He's writing to them in a part of the letter that we're going to be in today. Um, They were literally in the midst of, of gathering finances to send to people who made up the church in this other city in Jerusalem this group of people that were struggling to make ends meet. And I love the, what Paul writes to the, this, this letter. You can just imagine they're sitting in the living room or wherever it is that their church met. Probably not somewhere as cool as this place, but this is, this is what he says in verse 12. He says, this service, you know, this, this act of you giving your money that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people. And I'm just thinking about how, how fun it is, if you ever have got to experience this, um, to help people, how fun it is to help people who are in need of something that you actually have. How fun it is to, to meet a real need. And it doesn't mean that it's always easy, man, but, but giving of yourself for the good of others, for the cause of the kingdom, for the sake of Jesus, man, is so deeply satisfying. And it's so countercultural to the world that we live in. So I'll tell you a few examples of the way that I've seen this kind of play out. Think about my wife. Amazing woman, Courtney, if you don't meet her, you need to get to know her. A couple years ago at Christmas, we were trying to think of a way to meet our neighbors. And so we were like, hey, let's, let's, you know, she makes this great Christmas candy. So we were like, let's make Christmas candy and take it to our neighbors and, and sing carols. And so, you know, we're standing on the porch and Finley and Jones and Courtney leave me hanging and I'm singing a slow solo of we wish you a Merry Christmas. But this really cool moment kind of came out of it where this woman, you know, um, she invited us into her home and, and we get to know some of her story and we realize that she's just lonely. She has no one in her life. So she invited court. She's like, hey, would you come down and just like, I'd love just to talk and just to like get to know you. And, and it was awkward, right? Like it wasn't like this life-giving, life-changing conversation, but 
But the reality is that she looked at her life and she said, man, my, my life isn't just about me. The way that she gave of, of herself for the good of others. Or I think about in October, one of the things that, that we do, and this has just kind of been a, a growing thing in our church, that, that every October, man, we take a Sunday and in the middle of worship, we get up and we go to Kroger and we, we clear out the aisles and, and we take the food and we just give it to, to a ministry in, in Nashville to partner with them. And, and last October, I go, do you realize that, that you gave so much and, and, and we gave to this organization out in Antioch that, that gives real food to, to refugees? People who have been driven out of their country, who, who don't know the language, who don't know, any, who don't know anyone, and, and you just choosing to, to do something different, just being okay, getting out of your seat and spending a little extra money in and, and the way that, that you physically bless people. And the beauty of it is that you and I, the most of us, we, we will never even get to meet the people. You'll never even know the way that, that you choosing to give yourself blessed to other people. And that's the beauty of the kingdom is that when we understand that, that it's bigger than us and that we get to play a part in helping other people, you know, this is, this is family. That we understand that in the kingdom, that, that as God's people, we are fa- our family. And, and you think about this, when, when your family needs something, it's just different, right? Like when, when Courtney calls me, she needs something, everything else falls down. And what she needs is elevated to the top. And, and the same thing for our church family. Like, man, when, when there is someone in our church that is in crisis or is hurting, it's like, man, that it takes, it takes precedent. And for us to, to start viewing the, the world, to start viewing other churches, to start viewing what God has us for in this city as, as building the kingdom and blessing the kingdom and that we are all in this as family. I love what he says in verse 13. He says, because of the service, by which you've proved yourselves. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. You know, I, I, I think this is true, that, that your, act, your acts just have this way of testifying who you really are. That the things that we do actually speak for themselves. They speak of what is, is going on in our heart. You know, I think about Nick, and some of you guys, you know, Nick's a, a silent servant. He runs slides most week. He gets here every Sunday to, to set things up with the tech world. Just this amazing man. And there was a season where, where every Sunday, Kevin would get, or, uh, Nick would go and pick up this man named Kevin who was a part of our church family because Kevin didn't have a ride and he wanted to be part of our church family. And he felt like, man, that, that he belonged in this place because you made him feel welcome. And every Sunday, Nick would go out of his way and it's like you, you look at Nick's life and it's like, man, your, your acts, they testify. You've proven yourself. And I could go around this room and, and, and talk about the different people in, in this place and the things that you're doing. And it just testifies, man, that, that your faith is not just talk. That the way that you're living your life, the way that you're orienting, the way that you're making decisions and investing your time and your energy, I go, man, it, it testifies the genuineness of what Christ is actually doing in your life. In that line from 2 Corinthians 9, that others will praise you, it hit me. You see, the Corinthians, I don't know if they were rich. I don't know if they were a, just a, a wealthy church. But the reality is that they saw the need in Jerusalem 
And they saw that the church in Jerusalem could do things that, that they couldn't do, that they could reach people that they weren't going to be able to, 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 to reach. And they go, man, we, we can't do it here in Corinth. But if there are a group of Christians in Jerusalem that can, we wanna do whatever we can to bless because we want the kingdom. We're about the kingdom. You know, when Harpeth Hills chose to, to help us so many years ago, they could have taken you know, their resources and their energy and their people and their money and their time and, and directed them to a lot of different places. And they do because they're an incredible family of believers. Man, but, but part of the, the, the way that they directed those was towards us. And I'm going, man, Will getting baptized and Riley giving her life to Jesus? Part of, of, of them investing has led to this fruit. And I'm not saying they wouldn't have come to know Christians if, if this church wouldn't have been here, but just the fact is that this church is here and they became Christians and a church 10 years ago cho chose to be a part of that. And they have no idea. They're not sitting around in Brentwood this morning talking about the eight baptisms on, on Sunday night. They're kingdom people. Think about Jared and Laura King, and some of you guys know them. See Lee and Amy that are walked closely with them for a couple years. They moved up to Seattle because they felt called to, to reach people that didn't know Jesus. And, and this month, next Sunday, they're officially launching their church. And whether you know it or not, part of our, our mission's money was, has been given to them to help reach a city that, that most of us have no real connections to. But the reality is that we're gonna get to be with people in heaven because if you're just putting money, it's like, man, think about the, the ways that the, the kingdom works. Today, as we leave, we do this two times a year. 100% of what we give today is given away. We showed a video last week. We are, are starting this residency program where, where people who wanna plant churches in Nashville or beyond, man, they can move to Nashville and they can serve alongside our church family and they can learn from us what God is, is doing here and then they will leave after a season to plant a church. And some of these residents will plant a church in our city and some will plant churches in other city. And today we get to be part of it. And so part of, of what we're doing today is, is just simply opening up an opportunity for us to care about the bigger kingdom, to get to play a part in people's journeys, many of whom we'll never meet. And the reality is that, that some of us are, are in a position to give financially and some aren't, and that's perfectly okay. That's part of what I wanna talk about. But the other part of what I'm hoping we understand from this text is that we have so much to share with others that extends way beyond finances. And for us to start viewing our lives as, man, how can we use every part of our life so that other people will praise God? I go, is there, is there a better way to spend your life, to use your life, to invest your life knowing that people who, who don't know Jesus, because of you, because of, of you coming to Jesus and saying, hey, take all that I am and all that I have. Think about what, you, what we have in Jesus. 
Think about the, that what you've encountered because of the real Jesus. And, and some of you have forgotten this because it's just become so normal, but, but take Christ out of your life and think about what you have. Think about the overwhelming peace, Kalela, that you have because of Jesus. That you're in waiting, but you know that he's using you. You think about the, the joy, Cody, that you have because of Jesus. Think about the hope that we have because of Jesus. Think about the, the way that we know that Christ is on the throne, that there's nothing that we are facing, that he is not with us, that he doesn't hear us, that he doesn't care for us. And to think that, 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 that we get to use our lives to help other people encounter this Jesus. And I'm going, man, that is the, the sweet stuff of life. And there are lots of good things that this life offers, man, but, but helping people come into to, to this place where they praise Jesus willingly and joyfully. The journey that, that, that we all go on, you think about this in, in Christ, where that there's a point that all we do is we think about ourselves, we think about our, our own preservation, we think about, uh, about us, and, and then Christ starts to crack open our hearts. And we realize that there's so much more to this life than, than just making more money and having a better whatever. We start to grow into the fullness of Jesus. We start to want other people to have what we have in Jesus. And Paul goes to this church in Corinth, man, he just speaks right to their heart. He says, others will praise God because of you. You know, the reality is that, that each of us, that each of us, because of Jesus, we have a part to play in the kingdom. Our youngest daughter, Merritt, you know, she's one years old and she's not pulling her weight around her house very much. Like, you know, she's not mowing, she's not helping court cook. Um, she's actually making a whole lot more messes than she is cleaning them up. But Merritt does something for our family that, that none of the rest of us can. You know, she has this sweet little comforting spirit that, that Jones will be crying or Finley will be crying. And, and you can talk to Court. I'm telling the truth. Whenever she hears crying, man, she just takes off no matter what she's doing. And she'll run up to him and she'll hug him and she'll kiss him. And I'm going, some of you, man, you, you, you come in and you're going, I don't know what I even have to offer. I don't know what, what the part that I have to play in, in the kingdom. And I'm going, man, some of you, you've just been given this amazing, comforting spirit that when others are hurting, just your presence, just your, your kindness, just your, your, your words, man, just have this way of just healing. And for you to go, man, God, take all of this so that others will praise you, Jesus. Take all of all that I have so that the people around me and my coworkers and my friends. You know, Jesus, think about those of you who are house church leaders. I know that we're coming to the end of the year. And how this has been your just story. That you've opened up your home and, and you've spent tons of time thinking and preparing and praying and pastoring your people and walking through the real life stuff with them. And it's, it's so, it's not normal to give so much emotionally and relationally so that other people will praise Jesus. And the Lord sees it and the Lord blesses it. Think about my friend Caroline Morris. I, don't, I haven't seen Caroline today. 
Caroline is writing this amazing blog right now. Caroline is way smarter than me and, and, and just very just gifted at just reading this and making sense of it. And so she's started this blog where she's literally just working her way all the way through the Bible, like helping us know who Jesus is. This is on Instagram, it's called Our Story Is Good. And, and I'm, I haven't talked to Caroline about this, but I know her heart. The reason she's doing it is not to get glory for herself, it's because she wants people to know God. And she's going, man, God used every part of my life. Think about those of you who, who teach and who volunteer every Sunday. The way you show up early and, and you set up a chair and, and you're hoping that the friend that, that doesn't know Jesus, today will be the day that they show up. And you serve the kids and you bake the bread. It's for others to praise Jesus. Think about Riley and Joey, cool ministry that they're getting to be a part of. As, as men come out of prison, they're helping orient them back into life. Think about my sister Amy who happens to be visiting today and you know, she's an occupational therapist and there's a, a woman that is in our house church and she has early onset dementia and, and Amy and takes her kids to, to visit and, and to play and to bless and to use her skills. And for us to, to come to this place where we go, Jesus, man, I want every part of my life to be used so that other people know you. But here's a question we have to ask. What is it about the people of God that causes us to think about people besides ourselves and to give what we have to bless them? Because the reality is there are a lot of humanitarians that don't know Jesus. There are a lot of really good people in our world doing a lot of good things. What's the difference? The difference is Jesus. that our lives are, are not for our lifting up, for lifting up the name of Jesus, that our motivation is, is Jesus. It's because the, the Jesus that we read about in the scriptures, man, the, the life that he lived and the way that he just, like blessing just followed him. And we go, man, we, we want to live like you, Jesus. So 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, this passage, it says, For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And it's so much more than finances, right? The grace that touches every part of our lives. So here's how I want to end today. You know, sometimes we are like the Corinthian church. We have something to offer those in need. And sometimes we're like the Jerusalem church and we're the ones in need. And here's what we have to understand, that both are the church. And one is not greater, one is not more important, one is not more needed. That both are God's. The one who has something to give and the one that is in need. And so this morning, here's what we're going to do in just a minute. I'm gonna invite you to go to the communion tables and to grab a piece of bread and to grab a cup of juice and to come back. And if you feel comfortable to, to circle your chairs up with four or five people around you and to share and to pray. 
in your times with the people that you're gathered with. If you come here this morning and you're actually in need, don't pretend like you're not. You're not doing anybody any service by acting like you have it all together when you really don't. Man, have the courage to, to in your prayer groups to say, yeah, I actually, I'm in need. I feel distant from God. Or I'm weary from taking care of my, my parents. Or I'm anxious. Or I'm physically hurting and I'm in need of healing. Or I'm sad. And the reality is that, that in our prayer times, man, we can, we can pretend that everything's okay. We can get through the awkward prayer time that you are mad that I'm asking us to do this and that's okay. And, and then you're gonna leave and you're gonna still kind of be carrying that thing. But the reality is you can let the walls down some and you can let your sisters and brothers and maybe the Lord has just aligned things where the people beside you have exactly what it is that you need this morning. And so I invite you, if you're in need, just to share it. There's nothing sad. There's nothing wrong with being the Jerusalem church. There's nothing wrong with being in a place where you go, man, I'm in need. This is the place that you can come when you're in need. Church and to Jesus are, are not the place, they're not the person that you come to when you have everything figured out. No, we come on our knees. And Jesus meets us here. And I invite you to, invite you to, to, to pray for what God is doing in our city. To, in your groups, man, to, to ask for his blessing for more opportunities to ask that, that God would use our lives and the things that he has given to us so that his name would be praised. So I'm gonna pray for us and I'll send us to communion. Um, if you don't feel comfortable praying with, with people, but you go, man, I, I really do have a need. There'll be some men and women at the back that respond banner. We'd love to pray with you. So let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for these, um, these women, these men, these children that have gathered here today for you. Jesus, would you let um, our guards come down and would you come in? God, would you fill this place with just your healing and your hope? And Jesus, I just ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit, uh, that you would minister to us in such a way that, that we are just more convinced that you are real and that you love us than, when we, than we were when we came in this place. And if we, um, man, if we, if we leave here and we're still struggling, God, would you give us hope? to know that you're with us, to know that there's a spiritual battle going on, that there's a very real enemy who is, who is after us. And, and Jesus, I pray that, that your hand would just be on us, that you would fill us afresh, that you would open our eyes to see you. God, would you use us to bless each other, to minister to one another in a way that you get the glory. Yeah, Jesus, thanks for your death that covers all of our sins. Thank you for the resurrection that gives us new hope and new life. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen.